Chris, and welcome to episode 118 of Podcast Peldroid and into an eighth year. Uh, my name's Russell and I have the pleasure of Rich. How are you, sir? Hello. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. Thank you. Are you in South Wales or North Wales at the minute? I'm in the South. Oh, well, I'm in the North. Oh, there we go. And also, Gareth, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm well. How are you? Yeah, good. Good. Rexman playing tonight and ordinarily probably should be there, but. Um, Tickets are very, very hard to come by, which uh, disappointed my lad a little bit. But uh, but there we go. I suppose it's a nice it's a nice headache to have um, after a lean, what is it, a 13, 14 year stretch in uh, in non league. Um, but it was a palpable buzz in town earlier as we were walking around and went up to the ground just to see if there was anything doing, and uh, and sadly not. So um, yeah, uh, managed to take in a, a game yet? Were you at City Gaz on, uh, on the weekend? Yeah, I'm afraid I had the misfortune to go to the Bristol City game uh, on the weekend. First time we'd been in absolutely ages. We'd been away for the first couple of home games. So I took the kids down and it was <laughs> garbage. <laughs> there we are. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a shame. Like, I hadn't, I'd only seen bits of highlights of the earlier games and obviously one, two, drawn to, but I, I get a sense that there was a bit of a. Well, when you've got Aidan Flint scoring a scoring a brace two games in a row, you know you know exactly where your goals are coming from, don't you? And uh, I think we uh, we are a little bit in danger of being found out if we uh, continue on like that. We might talk about it later. I don't know. Colwell got a, a little bit at uh, at the end, and he looked bright and promising to the point I'm amazed we don't see a little bit more of him um, from the start there at the moment. But uh, yeah, other than that, it wasn't much to uh, to shout about. And I, I saw that he signed a new contract, and I'm assuming that's yeah. you know they're, they're they're pinning him down, aren't they? I'm assuming that's fairly long term. Any ideas? I haven't looked any more beyond the headline that he signed. No, no, I saw the likewise. I saw the headline um, the other day, but uh, I couldn't speak to exactly how long it was, and I say very quickly Google it. Uh, summer of 2024. Okay. Okay, uh, I caught Flint against Aberystwyth um, while I was in North Wales on Saturday. My first visit to Caer lovely little ground on the banks of the Dee. Terrific welcomes, talking to a couple of stewards at the end. Called Barry the coldest ground he'd ever been to. It surprised me a little bit because I thought that was Connors Key, frankly, where I remember freezing my nuts off doing a badge in the early days of the, the coaching new sort of coaching arrangements but yeah. uh, but anyway really really cr- cracking little ground caught up with Ryan from uh, Shag Fanzine as well so shout out to him the sun was shining and it was a 94th minute winner by Flint from about uh, I think if you I said a yard it would have been exaggerating and almost certainly handball as well so I felt a bit sorry for Aberystwyth but really really good game really good game and um, looking forward to catching a few more at that level and below Rich have you managed to taking a game yet this season? I watched seen Gareth Bale um, just doing his thing, just strutting his stuff where he belongs. He's not going to change his game for anyone, but I think he um, he's going to have a really happy, nice season, I think, at Madrid. Um, looking in good shape, really good shape, which is amazing for us. Yeah, it's the first time in a while he seems to be going into a season without any dramas, I don't suppose. We're going to focus on the transfer window more than anything, though. We'll obviously, look ahead to the uh, to well, more more so a reflection on the the squad selection for the for the three games upcoming. We'll probably try and catch up between one or other of the games in the window. For these things, it's not great the three games because of course so much can change over the course of a window. 
So you kind of look ahead to the kind of the Estonia game, and that feels like it's almost what is it, ten, eleven days away. And a lot can change in that window. But certainly look ahead to the Finland game. But primarily just have a review of how the transfer window has gone. It's back holiday Monday, as I said. Rex are playing tonight, thirtieth of August. So the window's got another twenty. What would that be? Twenty-seven, twenty-eight hours to go. So there's still time for Bale to to sign for for Cardiff, obviously. Um, but if we <laughs> if we sort of go in order of the window in some sort of chronological order, the first Welsh player. I mean, it's not a huge amount of bearing on the squad these days of course but it was Sam Vokes going to Wickham um, which is great not at least because um, my mate's a Wickham fan so he can provide a little bit of a uh, you know close-up analysis of uh, how Sam is doing he's not that old is he I kind of I kind of think of Sam Vokes as an old player but but that's unfair what's probably even more unfair though is the opening day of the season he started for uh, Wickham scored and then was replaced by Adebayo Ekonfenwa which I thought is possibly in terms of aggregate weight, possibly the heaviest substitution of all time in the football league, and I'd love to be told otherwise. But he's he's going to have uh, Joe Jacobson just pinging corners and dead balls onto his head with impeccable accuracy. So I'm expecting a few goals off Sam in League One. Yeah, I think so. You're right about his age. He's not 32 until October. Maybe he feels perhaps like one of those players who started quite young. Playing in the Bournemouth team, I would guess, you know, 15 years ago. So I think, like some of those uh, players, maybe at a, a higher level than he is, your Wayne Rooney's and your Michael Owens, if you I, if you come onto the scene young, and particularly because he had a couple of injuries earlier in his career while he was at Wolves, didn't he? Hmm. Um, he just, you know, maybe he's not going to have the longevity without dropping down to the lower divisions. So I think his time in a Wales shirt is probably done, but it'd be nice to see him. Uh, bang a few in for Wickham, see if he can take them back up to the Championship next year. Well, Lack and Fenwars must be about 38, 39, so uh, he could yeah. conceivably also have another <laughs> another seven or eight years left in him. It's always nice to see the players as they're kind of, how should I politely put it, going out to pasture. Um just to have a you know a nice sort of wind down to their to their career. We wouldn't we won't be seeing him in a Welsh shirt again though, surely Rich now. No, no. <laughs> Probably more chance of um well, I mean, you say that you can never rule it out, but I don't know. I'm kind of um, just that has just reminded me now of uh, players carrying on their careers. Um, Dave Edwards, of course, um, now the Ballard Town guy. That's a lovely move. That's a great move, and he's having a great time there. Yeah, big up for any player who wants to carry on playing. It's a wonderful thing to do it for the love. Maybe we need a little little segment of the podcast, which is just Legends of Euro 2016. Watch uh, Andy King was playing for Bristol City on the weekend. Um, so yeah, there are, there are a few of them knocking about who we remember fondly, but probably won't be troubling uh, troubling future squads. No, Dave Edwards as well said that the, something along the lines of the, the spirit and the camaraderie at Bala was best, best that he's ever experienced at a club. Love it. And, and I thought, well, he doesn't have to come out and say that sort of thing, really. And if you were to sort of make it up, it possibly would be a bit, a bit transparent. So if him to come out and say that, I thought, well, there must be something in that. I've always had a bit of time for players that just want to keep on playing almost forever and ever and just keep on going. Like when Socrates played for that team in like, you know, the Yorkshire League of Division 2 or something, just to kind of carry on really, just that sheer love of the game. I think that's lovely. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, adds a little bit of craft and, and class as well, I suppose, to the domestic scene as well, I suppose. I mean, the first the first big move in, in the window was done, I'm an early piece of work and I'm a big fan of getting work done early, particularly if it's big business. 12 million quid, Harry Wilson to Fulham, which for that money, I think obviously proves that there was absolutely no chance, with all due respect, that he was going to be staying at Cardiff. No doubt. 
I mean, that was a, a long shot anyway, you know, even if it was looking to him um, going out on loan again. But I think for him, you know, sad as it is to, to to not have him at Cardiff for another year, that's a good move for him. He was on the wane a little bit in terms of the sense that Premier League clubs were going to come out and spend any kind of money on him. I'm pretty sure that's why we ended up with him on loan last year. You know, there had been talk of Burnley or maybe going to... Um, Celtic, I think, a year or so ago, and, and I, th- I think it seems maybe that he's he's at a point where a good Championship club who are pursuing promotion and play nice football like Fulham do would suit him. But you know, I'd expect him to be starting every week for them, getting a fair lot of goals, playing in a winning team. You know, hopefully full of confidence. So hopefully, if he can go up with them, he can he can be a Premier League player with them as well next year. On the face of it, that seems like a good move for him. Yeah, I, I like the move. Um, I think he's already got a couple of goals, maybe an assist, and also a red card. So angry Harry Wilson um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. carrying on, and maybe that's a good thing because I've always kind of because he lacks, I guess, he lacks that kind of top level pace because he lacks top level, I guess, ability. That you can compensate that with like attitude, and you can improve yourself. So I mean, maybe if this kind of obviously you don't want players getting sent off, but if he's bringing a tougher streak, like a bigger attitude to his game, that will benefit him. With, with um, the manager at Fulham, that, that kind of his record suggests it's like a ticking time bomb to an extent, but hopefully they'll do well enough, the manager won't leave and they will get promoted. And I think Harry Wilson will score a lot and assist a lot as well, playing in a really strong team, so it seems. Most season previews I've read have had Fulham there or thereabouts as well, so there's a pretty strong consensus that they'll be competing my one reservation, and I guess only time will tell, is that Fulham are a little bit of a yo-yo team and either he yo-yos with them or he becomes that sort of go-to player to get promoted teams up. Uh, one of those go-to players, should I say. That said, Mitrovic has stayed with the club and has, has sort of yo-yoed with them as well, so there's no reason why he, he couldn't stay with the club. But that's well, my worry. But like I say, guys, but who, who are the Premier League teams coming yeah, in for him? I mean, on a related issue to what Rich was saying about the red card and, and Mitrovic is a sort of... Not the same, but an example of a player who basically he can't be trusted by a top team in, in the Premier League. You know, he was great for Newcastle Championship, but he's a liability in the Premier League because he gets sent off and he makes stupid decisions and maybe he doesn't keep himself quite as fit as he needs to. But he's, he's that good that in the Championship he's always worth hanging on to. Harry Wilson's red card was a silly one at a point, I think they're already beating Millwall 4-1. A little bit like his one, harsh as it was in the Euros, was a silly one. So, you know, I hope there's not an element to him where he's, you know, maybe always got, you know, got that risk in him. Maybe, maybe clubs don't want to gamble on him because, you know, he goes missing in games. That he he was patchy at Cardiff at times last year, or he's got a stupid uh, decision like that in him, and we certainly can't afford to carry that at international level. Now, I don't think actually. You know, other than that, the, the 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 card in the Euros, we've seen anything of that for him in a Wales shirt. But it does make you wonder why he hasn't quite um, kicked on in the way we talked about as Wales fans when he was a 16, 17-year-old and we really thought he was going to be this sort of massive superstar. It's almost as if those YouTube highlights reels of <laughs> under 23... Academy football on pristine pitches with no fans is is a is a yardstick or not? No. Um, yeah, I I, th- I think that is I think that is a slight a slight worry. I think as well. I mean, we mentioned it a podcast or two ago. 
of those 24, 5, 6, whatever it is, caps he's got. He's not played many 90 minutes in there as well. Now, you, you know, your wingers, your slightly sort of luxury players are always likely to, always liable and risk being substituted, obviously. But, um, but, but by the same token, you send them on as well to to win you the game and to do something and add a little bit of magic and all the rest of it so it you know it cuts both ways but yeah i think i think it would be good if he is definitely going to get a season as a guaranteed more or less first choice and and scoring goals and successful team then it would be good if he could finally translate that to the international scene and of course he's he's rob page was saying in the interview that he did with uh ingwin hughes that i saw on social media earlier um just before well before the weekend that because he'd had the red card, they felt he was lacking a little bit of game time. Was so was him running to play for uh, playing the Finland friendly. When you think, well, you look at the, some of the friend the lineups we've put out in the friendlies. Harry Wilson ordinarily red cards or no red cards shouldn't really be anywhere near our second choice eleven in a in a, in a warm up friendly. But but that's where he finds himself, and so I think there's a little bit of a gauntlet being thrown down to him there, particularly because there's a new winger on the scene as well who we will come to, or potentially on the scene who will come to in a in a bit. With Wilson as well, he's, you know, he's been sort of back up in recent times for Ramsey in that number 10 role, which requires him to be a consistent performer as well. And if, if you know, if he's almost like heir apparent to Ramsey, if he doesn't appear like we can rely on to be, you know, turning up fit for us to any, um, with any regularity, then, you know, we want to see him performing consistently. You know, if he has done well in fits and starts playing that role for us but you know you've got potentially Tyler Roberts could maybe given a go there and um, I think at Fulham Wilson's playing sort of on the right in there like 4-2-3-1 which is obviously where we tend to put Gareth Bale so I guess he's still yet to carve out that proper niche for himself in the in the Wales team you're right he, he's not really second team but neither does he have that clear role that um, gets him straight on the team sheet in our in our first 11 either like like Dan James, for example, has really sort of nailed down that that spot on the left. Talking of wide players, similar but different, I suppose. Ravi Matondo, I mean, he's missed out on this squad actually, which I'm not. He's not a huge surprise, frankly. Um, but he's moved to Belgium to Circle Bruges and really needs to start getting some regular games and some eye-catching performances because he is slowly dropping out of, of reckoning. I mean, as I said, notwithstanding, he's obviously missed a place in this squad now, but a player that just doesn't seem to be improving, doesn't seem to be kicking on in the way that you've sort of alluded to there, but with a much greater, and we'll come to Ben Woodburn in a bit as well, but in that sort of vein, just sort of explodes on this, well, explodes on the scene, comes on the scene, a lot of hype, a lot of promise, but really struggles to deliver and then has this intermittent stop-start domestic career. And suddenly, before you know it, there's a risk with him he's going to be like Ben Woodburn 22, 23, 24 and suddenly doesn't have that many games under his belt and you begin to wonder is he really going to carve out a career at a decent a decent level yeah it's really interesting with um, Ravi because the, the largest part of the hype I think came from the fact that he was bought for a relatively large amount from the Man City Academy mm. a move that he he, he kind of wanted to make, make happen so it's like an interesting the sort of dilemma of the academy footballer. Um, he actually might have been one who could well have benefited from staying in the academy for longer rather than going for first team football because it, I mean it really doesn't appear that he's improved at all, which is quite worrying. And you, you just got to say if he's in Belgium now, he has to be playing every week. You'd think more or less, um, and he and he needs to do something and improve because there probably still is 
a future for him in Germany, but he needs to kind of show why there should be. So that's kind of up to him to do that. I mean, he's really quick, but he's going to need coaching and he's going to need to develop himself um, from there. Yeah, agreed. I mean, that move to somewhere like um, Belgium, I mean, I couldn't swear to uh, be watching the Belgian league week in, week out, but I think if a move to Schalke hasn't really panned out for him, given that they're pretty average team as far as the Bundesliga goes. And he's going on loan to Belgium and not to one of the top Belgian teams, but to a team who finished, I think, 16th in the, the Belgian top division last year. His loan move to Stoke last season, he didn't really set anything on fire there. So it does appear that, you know, he he's not really kicked on in the last two or three years, as Rich says. He's still only 20, I guess, but... You know, he doesn't look any less raw, I don't think, than he did two or three years ago. So if something's going to happen for him, the bare minimum he needs is to have a season where he really tears it up in what is, in effect, not a particularly strong league. Working through the window, uh, Wayne Hennessy, Palace to Burnley. Uh, looks like he's going to warm the bench for much of the season, though there were some rave reviews the other night for his performance in the EFL Cup. But that was pretty much all he was getting. The only tournament he was getting games in for Palace in the last couple of years. So, well, that's that was his first competitive club game in nearly a year. So he played last September. But um, from from the the, the write ups of it, three crucial saves during the game, two pen saves. You know, he's he's not going to dislodge um, Pope as as first choice keeper. I can't imagine, but at least he's getting a game. <laughs> Just more than we can say for a game, which is more than we can say for most of our keepers. Yeah. But I mean, I suppose at least he stayed in the Premier League. But I mean, I sometimes wonder whether getting 30 to 40 games in the belt in the championship for a keeper that, that age and presumably wants to regain the number one shirt for Wales would not be a better move. But I can understand why he would want to stay in the Premier League. And, and, and all credit to him if, he, if he's backing himself for wanting that, that number one shirt. And there's an interesting interview with... Tony Roberts, the Wales goalkeeping coach on, I think it was the BBC website, where I, mean, I wouldn't expect him to do anything other than blow smoke up the backsides of the of the three in the squad. But when you look at, again, we've touched on it previously, you know, Chris Maxwell playing week in, week out, playing well by all accounts, slightly lower level, but nevertheless, you know, he's playing and has experience in the squad. You know, Tom King's playing at Salford. I don't know, I'm beginning to wonder whether there may be a, a space up for grabs as the season unfolds. But Page is clearly very, very loyal to those three. As was Giggs for, what, two, three, probably, well, yeah, three seasons with, with Davis, I think, prior to that. So I'm not expecting any huge changes. But, I mean, Maxwell must think that his time is definitely gone. I know we've covered this in the past. But it would be nice for at least one of them to be coming in. It's rare that, the, that, that all three of our keepers are being called up and there's very few games being played by any of them. Yeah, I mean, in Hennessy's case, he's, he's gone there knowing he's number two. Yeah. There's no way he was told it's a, it's a battle for number one. He, he's the number two keeper. Um, Danny Ward is, I was speaking to um, someone who kind of knows a little bit on the inside of this, and he was saying Danny Ward would like to leave. Leicester are okay with him leaving if they can sign a replacement who's as good as him. But I mean, that's going to be incredibly difficult. So it may be that he doesn't move, but it is something that they are trying to make happen if possible. Um, and we, we would really benefit from him playing, I think. Even though he played well in the Euros, there's levels he can go to that can only really be reached, I think, by playing, surely. And, that, and that's the thing. So that's the other thing that takes me back to the, to the Wilson move. It's why I kind of like the fact that you can... And we'll come to this with Dan James, obviously. But if Wilson was still hanging around, still hadn't played for a club, uh, his parent club, which he clearly wasn't going to, 
um, and you know only makes his move sort of now in the window. He's then got to play at catch up in terms of fitness. He's got to get to know his teammates, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. When that business is done early, a player gets a pre-season, just not with his old club or on his own, but gets it with his new club. And, and and for me, there's a scope for hitting the ground running. The worry with a move, I suppose it's less relevant with, with, with keepers, I suppose, but this sense that you're kind of rushing through a move late in the window. The season has already begun, four or five games old already. And there's that sense you're having to kind of bed in a little bit. These players have the Euros as well, which clearly eats into the close season. I appreciate that. But I, I am a big fan of just getting the business done early. So if Ward were to move, he's joining a new club, new defence... But of course, late transfers in the window, I think, do militate against that in some cases. The memories are short in football as well. You, you'd think if if Leicester were looking to to offload him after the Euros was the best possible time because he would command a transfer fee based on those performances that they may not get for him the longer time goes on. And, and the less of a transfer fee he can command as a long-term second-choice keeper, the, the less incentive there is for them to to shift him on when when what they've got in effect is a really, really good backup keeper for Cash for Schmeichel. So, you know, I could, I could see why he's got value as someone to sell on at the moment, but that can go fairly quickly with a, with a bad game or two for Wales or just by warming the bench for another six months. Mm-hmm. Scrolling through these moves, uh, young under-21 keeper Adam Pershbeck to Wickham from Ipswich. So uh, he's going to get softened up in training, isn't he, by Vokes? A Wickham, the new sort of... Stoke or Luton Town, where Welsh players are starting to congregate. Good call. Possibly could well be. Could well be. Kieran Freeman, who was a player I completely forgot, left Swansea, who I forgot he was even at, and has joined Portsmouth. One cap wonder. Can't ever see him adding more to those. Sean Spence, young and 21. Crystal Palace to Bristol Rovers on loan. Sergio Ramos, Real Madrid to PSG. <laughs> players we haven't talked about much yet who are quite sort of important going into these, these games. Joe Morell has moved on again, hasn't he? He's... Mm. He's dropped back down into League One, which sort of uh, is an exacerbates a little bit the similar the conversation we've had previously, where we've not really been able to quite explain why he hasn't able to sort of find a place in a Championship team, but he has had to drop down a level again to find someone who wants to put him in their first team. Hopefully, Portsmouth will have a good season, and he, uh, I think, has started the last couple for them, and it is a permanent transfer rather than a loan move. So at least he'll be getting games, I guess. Matt Smith has gone to Hull. Again, I think that's a low move. He started their last three games. I think he scored a goal early in the season. So that's probably quite a good move for him. He's someone who previous low moves, took that one to QPR a few years ago, um, didn't really work out. You know, he was not even necessarily getting games. But if he, he now a year or two on is able to get championship low moves and play, that's a pretty good sign. I mean, not a very different type of player, but I guess not dissimilar to... Matondo's position is he's a little bit older than Matondo, but he went off and played in the Dutch league, possibly even the second tier of Dutch football for a season, which again, at that point, we're looking at and thinking, oh, is this a player who's really going to kick on? And now I suppose at least we could say, well, there's a decent championship player and a, you know, a, a reasonable central midfield option. So if in two or three years, Matondo was doing something similar, then I guess we wouldn't be too too disappointed. Well, yeah, and Matt Smith actually in um, in the second division in the Netherlands did brilliantly. Um, it was really, really highly regarded by the coaches and the fans, and they were kind of really hopeful they were going to get him back for the following season. But it didn't um, it didn't pan out. Matt Smith, I think, is potentially a really, really good 
long-term player for us. But like you say, it's kind of up to him now in the championship. Play well, hopefully in a successful team, um, and see where it leads from there. Messrs King, Tom and Andy were also on the move as well. Tom at Salford, having left Newport and has started playing, uh, well indeed against Newport on the weekend. Andy King now at Bristol City, played against Cardiff, didn't he, the other day? He did, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, one for Legends Corner. One I've just caught my eye here, Cameron Cox, I've always thought looked okay for the under-21s. Left Cardiff and went to Solihull, and I remember thinking, well, that's a hell of a drop down to the conference. Moved to Colchester, albeit on loan, so I'm not sure what the circumstances there are, but it does show that a career can sometimes be on a downward trajectory before it can regain an upward curve. Um, So interesting to see how that works out. What about Johnny Williams? Well, we're going to have to go there, aren't we? I mean, so it's, it's been a funny one because, I don't know, I mean, Joe Murrell drops a level and the haters come out. Johnny Williams does it and it's like, oh, but it's Johnny though, isn't it? And yeah, no, I'm sure there's a reason behind it. And um, he's joining a former coach that brought him through at Palace. And But on the surface of it, if it is only a short-term move, well, one hopes it's only a short-term move because I can't really see a, a season in League Two really going to help him from Wales' perspective, really, surely. Um, it also feels a little bit rough and tumble at that level for a player yeah, like him. Yeah, that, that's, that's what worries me a little bit. I mean, he's he's in this sort of catch-22 where you've got to go lower and lower to find a team that is going to take a gamble on that injury record. But the lower and lower you go down, the tougher and, I mean, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but more agricultural the sort of level of football becomes. And you wonder how much it's going to suit him. But I mean, at least I guess he is has been in the last couple of games able to start his latest Efforts to get properly match fit. I mean, he's he's only played three games coming on as sub in the last few weeks, but he set up the winner after coming on for, for the last 35 minutes or so on the weekend. So even if it's just him getting fit and playing week in, week out and seeing if he can do that, that's really what he needs to do at the moment. Can he play 15 games in a row? And then we'll have a look if if bigger clubs are, are interested in taking him on or, or perhaps if he isn't too much in danger of getting a kicking in League 2 he can maybe help Swindon work on promotion I don't know but um, it's just one of those things with him isn't it he's probably getting past that point where any bigger clubs are going to trust him to stay fit if they sign him I think reading between the lines of what he was saying he's viewing this as a long term project I mean I mean, I agree with you I can't see what I mean I can't see why a big club would buy him because there's younger players not with terrible injury records um, who are probably technically near enough as good as him or, or even better than him in some cases so for him i think from what he was saying it's he's looking for somewhere to settle down and just really play consistently and be part of a journey and that I mean and that journey for swindon it's not inconceivable one day they could be looking to get into the championship so for him that could be a really successful um part of his club career a couple of other midfielders um one kind of working his way into the squad i suppose literally in the case of today's news being called up josh sheehan went to bolton on a free from newport and then lee evans who's probably going in the other direction um out of the squad i suppose joined ipswich on a free but josh sheehan i remember when he got a call up last season putting some feelers out on social media and the consensus was that one newport fans were still really quite amazed and surprised but you know grateful that they'd even held on to him for as long as they had and that there was absolutely no chance of him staying beyond his contract. Only went up one level, but Bolton appeared to be, I mean, I won't know the, claim to know the details, but they seem to have sorted themselves out. They've hit the bottom and they're, they're sort of on their way back to, to my mind, is a you know is a probably a championship team with aspirations for, for better. So that feels like a decent, a decent move. 
for 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 him. I don't think he's ever. I don't. Well, I mean, there's a lot of competition for that kind of holding midfield role, but he's a bit more. He's a bit more creative than 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 your Morels and your your Smiths, for example. Uh, and like I said, he got called up today as as cover because of the dropouts. Yeah, he's now he's now playing at the same level as Morales, isn't he? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, he was pretty unlucky not to be in the, the squad in the first place, given us someone like um, Dylan Levitt seems to still be kind of in favour. And, you know, we've yet to see him do really anything at, at club level. Might come to him in a sec, I guess, with those low moves to Scotland. But Sheehan, I think, started most games for Bolton this season. He scored a couple of goals. You know, they've not had a terrible start there, sort of mid-table. So that is... I think, like it or not, where we're looking for some of our midfield options, League One players, and whichever one of them them is performing the best and in the best shape at any given time might affect who's in the squad and perhaps who's even in the team, you know? It's a bit of a sober reminder, really, that point. That's where we're looking for some of our central midfield options, given this sort of much-vaunted strength in depth that a lot of people seem to think. Well, I I, I mean, I I was wondering if we'd come to this when we talk about the squad more generally, but Mm. we've talked on and off for years about this idea that we're building strength in depth. You know, we started to talk about it after the year of 2016. We talked about it more as Giggs was trying to bring through new young players. And you've made the point, Russ, a few times, depth, but perhaps not strength in depth. Or I think we're at a point maybe where there is this sort of harsh reality that we have to face. Gareth Bale is the only player in this squad playing regular first-team football in the European top division, unless we're very generous to sort of Dan James and Tyler Roberts and call them regular players in the the Premier League, which they're not really. We've got one player in this entire squad playing regular top division football. And even if you then start to look into some of our championship players, actually, you'd only say six or so of them are guaranteed week in, week out regular first team players for their their teams even in the second tier you know uh, Lockyer's not Mepham's not Colwell's not so we really do have to start looking a little bit to League One and start maybe more like Scottish Premier to to fill up our squad and perhaps even given that we've not got Ramsey and there's a few other players going to be missing to bring players into the team. One thing just quickly on Dan James of course by probably tomorrow he will be a regular EPL starter, record signing for Leeds, probably, um, all things being equal. But yeah, I take your point. It's, um, it is quite worrying. With the midfield thing, and of course, he's kind of ruined this by being injured. Ramsey apparently has really been impressing um, uh, Allegri at Juventus as a deeper lying midfielder. And the coach was saying, this is where he's going to play and this is where he's going to become really good at. So it's a real shame to see him injured just before our games. So he, I think he could be someone who, in the latter stages of his career, could actually be a genuine um, deeper midfield option, um, which yeah. goes against everything I've often said about him. But if Allegri's saying he could be really good here, I will trust that over my judgment. Yeah, well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because that's something we've talked about lots. And we've sort of, you know, every time we've heard someone try to make the case to play Ramsey in a midfield two with Joe Allen, we, 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 you know, we've sort of, rolled our eyes and, and whatever because we we've seen the reality of that as a younger player but but I think you're right Rich I think the reality now is Ramsey is older he um may have to start you know he's not 
are reliable, reliable in terms of turning up fit for Wales games. And we might now have to look at how the team's evolving. And if that means Ramsey plays a more disciplined, deeper role, and we try and bring on then someone like a Brooks or a Roberts or a Wilson to play the role that Ramsey has traditionally played for us, that may well be the future. And if Juventus see him in that sort of role, well, that's only going to help aid that transition if, if that's indeed what, what happens. But it is, at the very least, reassuring to see that he was in the team for that first game of the season for Juventus against Udinese. They seem to have a coach who, who as you say, Rich, um, likes him and is interested in playing in, in that team. Uh, so one would hope that when he is fit again in the squad, we can add him to the very small number of top division regulars that, that we have to call on. He was just so unfortunate. It was Allegri who wanted him initially. He left. Then had um, a lot of injuries in his first season and then the complete disaster of Pirlo as head trainer the second season. So it's almost like a fresh start for him. A couple of moves to, to Sunderland. Niall Huggins, under-21 international, signed from uh, Leeds. Nathan Broadhead, who seems to be, I don't know, Nathan Broadhead seems to be one of those players that's just been a promising youngster forever and probably still will be when he's like 31. He's joined alone from Everton. Uh, has been threatening to kind of break through for a while. Uh, you mentioned the SPL uh, a while back, guys, and of course two players have signed there. And big thanks or shout out to John Bleasdale from the SFF podcast. Looking at Scottish football, I went on John's podcast pre the Euros as a little kind of look ahead to, to Wales, uh, or to give some insight on the Wales preparations to a Scottish audience. Uh, Dylan Levitt signed for Dundee United and Ben Woodburn and yet another loan move and has gone to Hearts, but appeared to make a really, really good impression on the weekend. What what do we think of those? It does strike me that Levitt is probably, well, probably both of them actually, but certainly Levitt's likely to be getting regular first-team football um, well, yeah. this season. Levitt was man of the match in his first game. Him and Woodburn came up against each other um, yeah. in the game of the weekend. Uh, Levitt was taken off, I think, around about an hour after a yellow card. Um, Woodburn, I think, taken off around the 50-ish minute mark. But Woodburn's been given the number nine shirt. Of course, could just be because that was the only shirt they had. But or also, it could be because they see him as being someone who's going to be important to them. I mean, look, SPL is not a league of any great standing. But for these guys to be playing in a reasonable league where the games are competitive, there's an element of physicality and so on, I think it's great for them. And I think Woodburn, Woodburn really needs it because no one was imagining what they saw when he burst onto the scene for us. And it wasn't like it was just one outrageous moment that everyone is hanging their sort of belief in him on. It was like he was really, really good in every aspect of his game. And then it just hasn't translated into the into club level and he's been unlucky in his moves and he also probably hasn't made the most of them but I think this is a, it presents itself as a really good opportunity he's playing on the right of the three behind the striker in this first game went straight into the team so yeah I mean it all bodes well and it's down to these guys to uh, to work and make the most of it because I think both of them have got potential and I, and I think Woodburn there's like a, a really really good player there I think so. And, he, you know, the write-up from the weekend said he looked lively and, and, and played well. He limped off after about an hour, I think, which could be a worrying sign. But then he's in the squad, isn't he, today? So I presume that was nothing too serious. And I suppose, like, <laughs> I don't really know much more about the Scottish Premier than I know about the Belgian League. But I think Rich is probably right that it's not a league of any great standard. However, hearts are, with Celtic and Rangers, diminished from the kind of teams that we would remember of them as being 10, 15 years ago. Hearts are now actually a team 
competing for that title, actually, aren't they? If he gets a run of games for one of the better teams in that league, that is progress on where he's been for the last year or two. And he's only 21. The door's not closed for him, certainly. But something you said, I mean, back in the early days, I said this is our, our eighth year doing this, just started. And I remember what you saying very early on when Joe Ledley was at Celtic about how, OK, fine, the standard's not as, as high as it is elsewhere, but there is such a level of expectation, particularly Celtic at that point, where they had to win pretty much every game every every week and every title and every trophy available every season, that that's somewhere where a player can, can really still improve because because of that level of expectation, that burden that's on them. And, and, and that kind of resonated with me a little bit. Um, different circumstances, I grant you. But with respect to what you just said then, guys, and John was saying the same now, John uh, Bleasdale was saying how, you know, this is a, a solid squad <clears throat> that Hearts have got who should be pushing for a European spot. And if you're doing that, it also means you're pushing the old firm in their games. You'll, of course, have, you know, a massive derby against Hibs, where, again, there's huge amount of expectation and pressure. And actually quite a pragmatic team. Robbie Nielsen, the coach, can mix it up tactics-wise. So likely to want to play it on the floor, passing, quick movement against maybe some of the weaker teams in that division, Livingston, Ross County, Hamilton, and then be a little bit more physical and a bit more direct if they feel they need to beat in order to compete against, for example, the old firm. So there's an opportunity for him to have maybe a couple of different sort of styles, but to be what it does appear to be, and John was saying this, appears to be assigning to add to the squad uh, in terms of quality rather than just supplement it in terms of numbers. And sometimes I do worry that our loan signings are there just to pad out the numbers of a team rather than actually add some quality. This, This doesn't appear to be the case in this respect, which I think is promising. With respect to Levitt, I think... United are a bit of a, a curate's egg. They've got this new manager who was previously their sort of the head analyst or something, but has has, has been put in the been put in the hot seat and probably more likely just to be mid table, not really threatened with relegation, but then not really going to push for the top six. And like in the Cymru Prem, they have this sort of season split halfway through. You know, I think there'll be a few of us with more than a half an eye on the the SPL than is usually the case. Probably not since Hartson was playing up there, I suppose when Bellamy joined him. And it's we've just got so many players like that, haven't we, where we're constantly having to look what kind of loan move might they get or are they going to stay playing under 23s or warming the bench, not really getting a game. And I suppose it's important in this window and certainly, you know, I guess by the time this goes out, that window will have closed. You know, those other players who have become quite crucial, Ethan Ampadu, Nico Williams, you know, what's going to happen to them, you know, Ampadu back at Chelsea, but no great sign this season that he's going to get much of a look in there if he's fit. Nico Williams obviously isn't fit, so hasn't featured at all for Liverpool. These are big players for us, you know, much more so than some of the the players we're sending out on loan to sort of smaller clubs. And it's it, it would be nice to think that they might find themselves somewhere, if not at their parent clubs, where they can play a bit of football um, this year. You know, those would be two that spring to mind immediately in, in that sort of um, context. Yeah, yeah. Ampadu, I think, he was pretty decent at Sheffield United. I mean, that would have been really, really tough going for him, um, playing in a team that was losing every single week. And it probably did have an impact on him at the Euros because he, he wasn't he wasn't himself, certainly not in the warm-ups and, and not, not in the tournament either. So, I mean, Ampadu is someone who um, he could get a loan move to like a like a bottom half EPL team and play most weeks, I think. Um, it'll just be whether Chelsea are willing to do that or whether Tuchel sees his development 
because he still is young. It was best to be being at the club. Um, so that, that's that's an interesting one. Um, and Nico Williams, it's unfortunate he's injured um, because I guess I mean, it depends on the nature of the injury, but it's going to be harder to get a move. And they do want to sell him, and he is open to moving. Um, but Burnley, who were linked with him, seem to be on the verge of signing Connor Roberts, um, which you would think would be that would be the end of any interest in Nico Williams for them. So it's difficult to say for Nico on that one. You might have to wait until January. Yeah, I think you're probably right there. I mean, he if it's the injury that's kept him out since the start of the season, then he may well find that he's at least back on the bench for Liverpool. I mean, Premier League games have about a million substitutes now anyway, don't they? So that's where he was last season, wasn't it? OK, he's not going to dislodge Alexander-Arnold for a place in the team, but he was regularly in their sort of match day squads and on the bench and, and so on. So we'll see what happens with him when he's fit. And Patu, I'd like to think the Rich is right and if he went lower end Premier League that he'd get games. I just wonder if Sheffield United's poor season and his sort of indifferent Euros has maybe lowered his, his stock. I mean, I wonder if, let's say, a Watford or a Brighton or a Newcastle took him on loan. Is he guaranteed a game every week? I, I don't know. He'd really have to, to show what he's about to guarantee that. But at Chelsea, they seem to be bringing through um, Trevor Shalaba. I don't know. He's played a bit for them this season in, in the sort of back three. So he seems to be ahead of Ampadu there. Ampadu hasn't featured on the bench if he's fit to do so there this season so I don't know I haven't really seen much news about him but I, I, I hope Rich that you'd be right that you get similar to Sheffield United but just maybe a little bit better again this year a few more games maybe slightly higher level maybe slightly less of our season struggling against finishing bottom of the league but um, we really need him to, to be doing something this year I think I was expecting more talk of Ampadu at this point in the window than James and Roberts to be perfectly honest mm. so uh, yeah it's a bit of a surprise you touched on James earlier I mean Bielsa's finally got his man of course that ticks a lot of boxes doesn't it I know it perhaps it will be seen as it's not really worked out at United but 30 million's being quoted this evening that seems like it suits all parties because he gets a hard time doesn't he off United fans Although apparently it's a witch hunt from this this podcast and myself around around that, which I I failed to see. Just pointing that out, but um, it does seem to tick a lot of boxes. And one of those transfers every now and again comes along. You think you want that suits all parties really really well. I think with the witch hunt stuff, you know, I don't know. I I, I have to sort of trust the judgment of fans that watch a team week in, week out to a certain degree. But even if they're wrong, and even if Dan James has been unfairly treated by Man United fans or whatever, I I don't really know. But what I do know is that. If for whatever reason they've taken against him or they don't like to see him in the team, then for him to develop and improve as a player in that context, with that kind of pressure, it's probably not in the best interest of his development. Go somewhere like Leeds where the the level and the expectation is that little bit lower, where they've got a coach who is about improving young players where he, you know, he's likely to play and likely to you know, be given a little bit more trust and there isn't the sort of cauldron of Old Trafford around him. I think, yeah, like you say, that ticks loads of boxes. I, in fact, with hindsight now, I'd have much rather he'd gone to, to Leeds when he went to Man- Manchester United. I think we'd, we'd be looking at a player who'd maybe kicked on a little bit more. Having said that, I, you know, I think he's been a, a big performer for us in recent years. But, um, you know, at club level, in terms of the consistency and those final deliveries, the things that Man United fans have a go at him about, you know, going somewhere like Leeds, I think, is, is likely to, to help him with that, I'd have thought. And of course, they don't have to do the obligatory 
picture of him in the the new kit because they've already got that one on file as well, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it ticks boxes, Rich, yeah. He has improved during his time at um, Manchester. He's improved for us as a player, and that's probably because of the work he's been doing in Manchester. That being said, I think there still are sort of frustrating aspects to his game, um, which someone like Bielsa, who clearly see, has seen something in him for a very long time, um, and is sort of given the board the go-ahead to sort of make a, rec- a club record purchase. This all bodes well that he's going to be a main man for them. And I think it's a fantastic move. And it, I mean, look, people have gone to huge clubs, done reasonably okay, not quite made it, and then taken a step back. And then have actually gone on to have brilliant careers at massive clubs. I mean, this happens quite, quite often, I think. Um, and I think Dan James can do it. I'm a little bit sad that um, he's not going to be crossing the ball and making like a, a thousand assists for Cristiano. <laughs> um, like the, the best guy in the world to cross. That's a shame. But um, I think at Leeds, he will do really well. And I think that will be a massive benefit for us because he's such like a, a potent attacking threat for us, like hugely like critical, I think, to us, particularly away from home, but also against any team where we're going to need to use the counter-attack. So yeah, I think... It, Brilliant move, really, really good. And he's also gone for a profit as well, so kind of his stock has risen. It's not an abject failure. He's not leaving with his tail between his legs. He's moving because player recruitment at Manchester means he kind of has to move. And he's showing the ambition to say he's not going to sit there and twiddle his thumbs and play occasionally. He wants to be the main man, and I'm all up for that. That's that's really great to see. Yeah, I and mean, good luck to them all at the, the new, new clubs. Hope they all work, work out, obviously, goes without saying. And, um, yeah, look ahead very, very briefly to Finland game. Not expecting there to be a huge amount of what we'd call the first teamers involved, keeping the powder dry. Long, 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 long trip to Antarctica or somewhere, wherever UEFA sent us to play Belarus. And all the way back then to face Estonia. I think uh, you're not expecting anything different from the usual routine of these three games. Fringe players getting a chance, young players getting a chance against Finland. If there's anybody who I think might be pushing into that starting 11 for me might possibly be Brennan Johnson but apart from that I think it's going to be the usual the usual suspects surely I wonder if it's worth in the absence of Roberts Williams Roden Cabango whether it, not that he's perhaps um in line to start competitive games just yet but it might be worth having a sort of back four that we think might go into the Belarus and uh, or back five if that's the way he's going that might go into the Belarus and Estonia games have a go if, at least for 45 minutes an hour. It's likely we're going to have to bring Gunter back into the team, which I guess is no big problem with the experience he's got on Davis. But a lot of uncertainty still around the centre-halves. Obviously, James Lawrence got injured and didn't feature in the the Euros. Mepham's there as well. But it's not Lockyer, maybe. It's not clear who's going to, you know, be our defence for those two games against weaker opposition as they are. So if we're likely to see any of our more senior first 11 players starting in that Finland game, I'd expect it maybe to be in defence. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's a bit of a bummer reading that because of visa issues, Ampadu is not going to be able to play in the friendly, which you'd have thought because he hasn't played for Chelsea, it would have been good to give mm-hmm. him some, some minutes and you'd want him in the team, I think, given the injury pullouts, he's, he's going to need to play in his upcoming games and he's going to need to sort of do something as well. I'm really interested to see um, what Paige has learned from the Euros and just sort of really, really briefly just to sort of touch on it, I was probably just being conditioned to like 
new age trainers and so on, I was a bit underwhelmed, shall we say, with Alan Neil coming in as the new part of the coaching staff, although he did do really well at Sheffield United, admittedly, not knowing too much about what his role was in that. The way we saw gigs go on that learning journey and develop and improve as a trainer, I want to see Paige start to do that, I think. The tournament ended on a bit of a bummer against Denmark. There's no, there's no really other way of saying that. So I want to see kind of a fresh impetus as going again and hopefully a renewed or a development of, of the idea of uh, what Paige is going for. So not much, just, just three wins. <laughs> no goals conceded. Six goals scored. Easy stuff, but... It should be fairly straightforward, shouldn't it? I mean, I don't want to sort of tempt fate, but Belarus lost eight nil to Belgium. You know, I mean, and actually, I think, and I think they've got an away game against Czech Republic before they play us. Estonia lost six two to the Czech uh, Republic back in March, but they've had some friendly wins. Actually, they've beaten Finland in a friendly before the Euros. Now, I know you can't read too much, huge amount into those, but. We just can't afford to slip up. We can't afford to drop any points in these two games. It shouldn't be a problem. I mean, the, the Belarus squad, I was having a look through it, they're mostly domestic-based players. There were 12 players who, who were called up, and a lot of them, some of their more experienced players with a fair few caps, who were called up for the Belgium game in March, but aren't in the squad this time. There's only one player in their squad who's got more than 20 caps. So it seems like a, a changing of the guard for, for Belarus. And, you know, if we can't take advantage of that, then, well, we don't deserve anywhere near the mix for the World Cup. Do we? Absolutely. And as, as much as it's a pain in the ass for us to have to go as far as we do to Kazan, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's essentially a weight game for them as well and, and, and loss of, uh, of, of home advantage. So, yeah, no, I agree. Uh, we'll return to the competitive games of this window again. But... Um, I think that's a fair fair summary. Gents, I'll let you get back to your bank holiday. Pleasure as always. Mm-hmm.